This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. This is Charging Ahead, a four-part research podcast about our attitudes towards motoring and our perceptions of electric vehicles. My name is Sam Hales and I'm a science communication master's student here at the University of Otago. In this episode of Charging Ahead, we'll be hearing from electric vehicle owners themselves about how they decided on going electric, what issues they faced along the way and what the EV ownership experience is like. Before we hear from our proud EV owners, let's look at some more interesting results from the New Zealand Motoring Attitudes and Perception Survey. You can hear more details about this survey in our previous episode. The survey uncovered some very interesting data about our driving habits and our typical vehicle buying habits as well. Electric vehicles are often claimed by those who are against them to be more polluting than internal combustion cars when you take into account the production of batteries and their disposal. We asked our survey participants if they believed that EVs polluted more than internal combustion cars if production and disposal was taken into account. The vast majority of those against EVs rather predictably said they strongly agreed with the statement, with the vast majority of EV owners saying they strongly disagreed. Those open to adopting an EV but not actually owning one were fairly unsure, with most neither agreeing nor disagreeing. The the kind of way that things are legislated and sort of publicised these days aren't really taking into account the environmental impact of making them in the first place. Mm. Um, And I think that's getting overlooked quite a bit. Um, And also I'm quite concerned about the environmental impact um, and the cost of having to rely on batteries um, that tend to last for 10 years um, and they degrade over that time. And then what do you do with the batteries after that 10 years? And then we're going to have to mine um, increasing amount of rare earth metals um, to fuel those millions of electric cars that we'll have in the future. Um, and I just I am concerned um, about the long-term impacts that's going to have to um, actually to the planet. Well, you, you get on the internet and you go where it leads you. Eh? Talking down, you go down rabbit holes and you find out a lot of people don't like the idea. We got berated for the fact that oh, they've got batteries that won't be able to recycle and all the rest of it. Well, it's all rubbish, of course. And then I found out, of course, that there will be a whole new system because those car batteries will go into homes because they don't need the amazing drain when you're pushing a car, half two tons of car up a hill. Uh, it doesn't happen in a car, in a, in a home, because you've only got a few light bulbs in the fridge to worry about. You mm. know. This shows that the communication of EV life cycle emissions is an area we can do much better in. A 2018 study undertaken by the International Council for Clean Transportation in Europe compared the life cycle emissions for a 30 kilowatt hour Nissan LEAF being charged on the European electricity grid versus the most fuel efficient car on sale at the time, a 1.6 litre Peugeot 208 diesel, and found that the EV was by far the least polluting over a 150,000 kilometre life cycle. The Peugeot emitted close to 170 grams of CO2 per kilometre compared to 125 grams of CO2 per kilometre for the LEAF. For comparison, the average car in Europe at the time emitted well over 250 grams of CO2 per kilometre, making the LEAF far less polluting even when taking into account battery manufacturing and charging on an electricity grid with few carbon neutral sources. 
The paper also found that despite the initial high emissions from EVs due to the nature of their battery manufacturing, these initial emissions are essentially paid off in two to three years thanks to their far lower usage emissions compared to running an internal combustion car, which is a much higher polluter all of the time. In a country like New Zealand with over 80% renewable power generation, this payback would likely occur even faster. You might ask about battery disposal, as many critics like to paint a picture of the future of motoring as one with landfills full of dead EV batteries. The study was unable to find decent evidence of the effects of actual EV battery disposal on emissions because most older EVs actually still use their original battery packs. In fact, the vast majority of early model Nissan Leafs and Teslas still work just fine on their original batteries. The study did show that by using depleted EV batteries as off-grid power storage or other uses, the lifetime EV emissions fall even further, by 22 grams of CO2 per kilometre. Couple this with more renewable energy sources, battery recycling and future developments in battery energy density, and suddenly you have a car that emits just 80 grams of CO2 per kilometre over its entire 10 to 15 year life cycle. If you are listening to this on OARFM, you can find the link to this paper in the description of this podcast online on their website. We asked our EV owner survey participants about a number of different EV ownership aspects and about their experience in the lead-up to making the big change. We asked how they did their research and what sources of information they relied on to make the switch. Uh, basically, it was all my own research. One of the, one of the guys in work bought one and I'd been looking at one and that kind of pushed me to look a bit harder when the petrol in, in October 2018 was silly money. It was really comes down to, I think I spent nine months of a year just looking at it and thinking about it because it was a huge, you know, 19,000 is a lot of money to me. I think with a lot of research, a person needs to get the right sources, and you would know this being in the research field, you need to go to the right sources, the credible resources, you need to take a range of views and somewhere there's the bell shape and that's where the consensus is, where most of the people agree on most of the information and that's where you'll find your truth because mm. you can always find anything to justify any particular obscure reason. Um, so what was the biggest hurdle for you um, before to overcome before deciding to purchase an EV? Um, for sure the education, really understanding how the whole range thing works, how the recharging works, how the battery life works, um, whether it's an investment, whether it's a big money hole, whether it's going to be worth the money um, because they are more expensive than a petrol car. I really had to research and I spent a lot of weeks, if not months, um, understanding how battery life works and deterioration of the battery over years. Um, and how easy or difficult it is to recharge at home versus the fast charger, slow charger, and all, all those different technical terms you don't have to worry about with the petrol. And what do you feel are the most reliable sources of information for electric vehicles? <laughs> I mean, there's certainly a lot of unreliable ones. Um, I, I would say people that actually have them, day-to-day uh, -day experience, you know, you, you can learn so much from someone that actually knows you know this is how often i charge it this is because most people charge them at home and that's not something that you think about if you're used to having a, a normal car where you've got to go to this special location to fill it up with fuel yeah i think the best way to find out reliable information is to talk to someone that's using because 
the, the number of events that I've been to where people have come up to me and explained to me why they won't work. You know, oh, EVs don't work because of this, that, and the other. And, and I'm thinking, well, I've got one. I know it works. I know that all these points are, are, are just um, incorrect. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, you've got to talk to people that actually know, that have that experience. EVs offer both financial and environmental incentives. We asked how much either incentive affected an EV owner's reasons for purchasing. Most of the reason for getting it was uh, environmental. I've got a seven and a half year old daughter. So part of my thinking is the, the decisions I make today affect her future, right? I can't blame my parents for the climate crisis we're in because back in the 70s and the 80s, well, nobody really knew, right? Of a 42k round trip from home to work, uh, 21 kilometers each way. And uh, when I had a petrol car, it was averaging $120 a week on petrol. Uh, and I'm now averaging $3 a week on power. I've saved about $22,000 in petrol since I've had the vehicle. I've kept, uh, I had a Suzuki Swift for 10 years, just over 10 years, and I did about 103,000 kilometers in the Suzuki. And I tracked all my petrol fill-ups for 10 years. Um, but guess what? I did that with my EV as well. For one year, I did. I took snapshots of the uh, using the Leaf Spy. I uh, took snapshots of the battery, um, and so every time I before I charged the car, I took a snapshot, and when it when I finished charging, I took a snapshot, and that's where I could just do the differential. And it worked out at about three and a half cents per kilometer compared to the Swift, which was thirteen cents a kilometer. And as you know, a Suzuki, Swift, a Suzuki Swift is definitely on the cheaper side of cars to run. Uh, economically, they are so much more viable because of the fact that it's not just petrol savings. You only have 19 moving parts in an electric car versus 2,000 moving parts in a petrol car. So you haven't got all that extra maintenance and cost of repairs for an electric compared to a petrol. Uh, the third thing is it is ecologically important to not burn fossil fuels. There's so many things in life that are a trade-off that, you know, if it, it's good for the environment, it's bad for the economy, or that, that's what people say. And EVs just aren't that. They're, they're just a win-win. And that's so unintuitive that that can exist, that people think, well, what's the catch? And um, if you look at the, the stats, not the ones that are put out by the oil industry, but the, the real actual figures about lifetime emissions, about... Um, everything you just realize that evs are good they are a win-win so if you need a new car you should go and get one it's not all roses however there are apparently some interesting surprises that ev owners were not expecting upon making the change to electric uh, evs do um they go through tires a bit more quicker than the other cars yeah because, I mean, when you, when you go for a service, I mean, tyre rotation and alignment should be part of any, any service on any vehicle, not just EVs. So uh, over the, the, the lifespan of the tyres, the wear and tear should be roughly about even, unless you're doing some crazy things like riding over curbs and stuff like that. In our previous episode, we asked non-EV owners if they thought cars without screaming engines and gear changes could appeal to car enthusiasts. But what are the driving dynamics of EVs compared to petrol or diesel cars? Got the acceleration of a Porsche, but the smoothness of a Rolls Royce. 
well, you have it in eco mode and it's that smooth on takeoff. It is just so gentle and smooth. You put it in and take it off eco mode and put your foot down and you're just gone. So if you're from a safety point of view, it's a lot safer getting out of a side road into traffic because you need less than half the distance between cars to be able to move out and move safely into that space. Uh, what I like to call it is all of the control of a manual car with the ease of driving an automatic. You have that regenerative braking, which is like being in a lower gear. Mm. So you can kick that up to the point where as soon as you lift your foot off the um, accelerator, the car just slowly comes to a stop. If you're coming up to a corner, you just lift off and you slow right down and then you put down through the corner. And it, it's because you've got 100% torque from zero RPM, it's just so incredibly responsive. So that combined with the regenerative braking makes, for me, a really pleasurable driving experience. And that concludes this series of Charging Ahead. We've looked at the history of EVs, where they came from, and why they struggled to gain momentum until things turned sour. We've looked at air quality and why it matters to our quality of life. Lockdown has shown just how noticeable a reduction in vehicular pollution can be. And finally, we've spoken to our valued survey participants who graciously agreed to donate their time and opinions to the production of this podcast and the data within it. They have provided a unique insight into the world of EVs and what barriers there are to adoption, what incentives would be the most effective at increasing that adoption. We've heard from EV owners about the convenience of owning an EV and the surprises they've discovered along the way. Most of all, we've heard a real public voice on the directions of our motoring and where we should be headed to the future. And to you, dear listener, thank you for taking the time to engage with our motoring attitudes and EV perceptions. I hope that you have enjoyed this short series and learned something you may not have known. This has been Sam Hales for the Charging Ahead podcast. Thank you. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.